Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 927. Well, it's spring, and Talking Birds listeners are out and about watching birds, and some of them are sending us audio postcards about their observations. We're about to hear two of them right in a row, first from Bridget O'Riordan at a park in Columbus, Ohio, and then we'll head farther west to catch up with Joy Rochester out in Tucson, Arizona. Here we go. Hi everyone, this is Bridget, and I am at Blendon Woods Metro Park in Columbus, Ohio. It's about dusk, and I'm out here listening to the American Woodcocks around here, also called the Timber Doodles. Let's see if we can hear them. You hear that sound? P-E-E-N-T, peent? That's their mating call. Then they're going to uh, fly up and around for a little bit. Their wings are going to whistle, and then they're going to land back down and paint some more and see if the ladies take notice. Listen again. Isn't that awesome? I love it. All right, well, thanks. Have a good one. Hello, birding friends. This is Joy Rochester, listening to Gamble's Quail. In Tucson, Arizona, sun has just set, and I'm so happy to have found a chatty group of quail. <laughs> I live in North Carolina, so this is a treat. And shout out to the San Diego Bird Festival I went to last weekend. It was amazing. I just can't stop birding now. Goodbye. All right, thank you, Joy, and thanks to that covey of quail, and thank you to Bridget, too, in Columbus, Ohio. Audio postcards, we'd love to get them. Just send us one with your smartphone. Just go out and record what you're seeing and maybe pick up a little bird sound along the way. Send us the file to ray at talkingbirds.com. That's ray at talkingbirds.com. Shout out to Deb Eccleston in Moosip, Connecticut. She's a Talking Birds ambassador and Talking Birds flock member. That's our listeners' Facebook group. And she just won first prize in the Birds and Blooms magazine video contest. It's for her terrific video showing lots of Oriole activity at her jelly feeder. We'll be sure to get a link uh, to it on our website. And congratulations, Deb. Here's a bird that will never come to your jelly feeder. In all, in all likelihood, it's our mystery bird. This is a little preview of our contest coming along a little bit later on in this morning's show we'll detail the prizes here in a moment some clues here to get you ready for the contest a bit later 
Our bird is large and dark with a long, thin neck, a long, thin pointed bill, and a long tail. It's a graceful flyer, often seen soaring high in the sky, but it's most closely associated uh, with water and has a habit of swimming with just its head and long neck protruding above the surface. Our bird breeds on or near the Atlantic and Gulf coasts, from Texas to North Carolina and well up into the Mississippi Valley, feeding mostly on fish, stalking them underwater. Prizes include food for your mind and for your tummy. We have a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, and a month's supply of Super Seed Crackers from Mary's Gone Crackers, where they are passionately, unabashedly, and irrationally obsessive about crispy, crunchy snacks. Prizes on our Mystery Bird contest coming along later in the show. And it's our weekly salute to Talking Birds ambassadors who help us get the word out about the show and about birds and conservation. We send them our little info cards, and they hand them out to friends and neighbors at their convenience. And thank you to Beth from Norfolk, Virginia. Thank you so much, Beth. And another Beth from North Kingstown, Rhode Island. And Beth from North Kingstown also says, I am plurting, picking up litter while birding. That's our thing here, and thank you so much to both Beths. Well, Talking Birds listeners, it's crunch time. Uh, We're on a quest in the month of March to grow our Talking Birds family to 800 members by the end of this month. This uh, may be difficult. Yes, not easy, but we believe in our listeners, and we believe that at least nine more listeners will step up and join the Ambassadors family in this tiny bit of time left to reach our goal uh, by the end of the month. So if you've even ever thought of becoming an ambassador, this is the time to do it. To join the Ambassadors family Simply go to TalkinBirds.com, click on the tab that says Get Involved at the top of the home page, and then click where it says Become an Ambassador. And that's at TalkinBirds.com. Still to come today, the great John Kreischer will be our special guest live right here in our studio with details about his marvelous and expanded and updated nature tour books uh, book, Galapagos, A Natural History. It should be books because that's how big it is, but more <laughs> on that later. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a live Let's Ask Mike installment about uh, something that birds do that's uh, something they need to get uh, more credit for, put it that way. That's our uh, Let's Ask Mike live this morning. Our featured Feathered Friends segment is presented each week by Bird Watching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Bird Watching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. But as we did last week, we're changing the segment a little bit to hear about a number of birds. So with a little music included, I'm about to recite the words of our friend, author, and naturalist Al Bat up in Heartland, Minnesota. Weeping willows have a golden yellow glow that seems to grow brighter by the day. Short-tailed weasels are turning from the white winter coats of ermines to the brown summer ones of weasels. Woodchucks are walking around. I've seen quite a few kestrels in March. The tiny falcon is about the size of a blue jay. There was a bald eagle perched on a snowbank along a thin dredge ditch. 
the young eagle, hoping to be bald one day, might have been looking to feed on carrion partially buried under the snow. I was dashing through the slush, and on a fifty-mile drive, I saw three red-tailed hawks on different large green signs showing mileage to cities. Another sign hosted an American kestrel, and two crows perched on another. Crows like to keep track of things, and they had likely found a menu item to their liking at the Roadkill Cafe. Yeah, the words there of our friend Al Bat up in Heartland, Minnesota. Al has all great stuff to read. You can find him at Al Bat with two T's, albat.com. John Kreischer is professor of biology emeritus at Wheaton College, Norton, Massachusetts, where he's taught courses in ecology, ornithology, and vertebrate, vertebrate evolution for many decades. He's conducted research on migrant birds on their wintering grounds in Belize and is the author of more than 100 scientific papers and articles. Among his books are the justly famous Neotropical Companion and the New Neotropical Companion, Tropical Ecology, The Balance of Nature, Ecology's Enduring Myth, and Galapagos, A Natural History. His newest book is an updated and expanded version of that Galapagos book, and he's here to tell us about it. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ray. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Great to have you back, too. Uh, I think you, we thought your fourth time, maybe. Um, like it that. could be. It could third be my one. third. I'm old. I forget. We'll check the record. Yes, I, I know how that works. Well, John, I know that your book, <laughs> uh, co-authored with uh, photographer Kenneth uh, Kevin Lachlan, is more than a guide, but give us an idea of the scope of the book, if you would. It's a phenomenally well illustrated, and I can say that because they're not my photographs, they're Kevin's photographs, uh, a book about the Galapagos. Uh, and beyond being well illustrated, uh, if I dare say so, it covers a great deal of natural history that other Galapagos books generally omit. Uh, it focuses historically on the importance of the Galapagos to Darwin's theory of evolution and to how Darwin reacted when on the Galapagos. And it goes into depth about the natural history of the different organisms, uh, ranging from the flightless cormorants to the boobies to the Darwin's finches to the iguanas and tortoises. So I don't think there's any other, and there are many Galapagos books, but I don't think there's any one that covers the scope of the text and has such a photo array as this one does. I'm very proud of Kevin for uh, snaring me into agreeing <laughs> to a revision <laughs> so that we could do this. Indeed. Well, it's really interesting. All the chapter titles appear as phrases in Darwin's writings about the islands. So they we have, do. We have intriguing chapter titles like Nothing Could Be Left less inviting, these great monsters, and all the birds were so tame. And that is, cer is certainly uh, something that people notice immediately, the birds and all the other creatures being so tame when you arrive there. So I guess when folks talk about the islands, John, maybe the two things that most readily spring to mind, uh, in addition to that tameness, are the Galapagos tortoises and what have become known as Darwin's finches that you just mentioned. And you devote a section to those finches. I wonder if you'd tell us a bit 
about that part of the book? The Darwin's finches have been really a hot commodity in evolutionary biology ever since Darwin, so to speak. Although, ironically, he never mentions them in The Origin of Species, though he does talk about them on the voyage of the Beagle. But that takes us down a kind of side street, which I talk about in the book, that probably isn't worth the time to do here. What's the main focus of Darwin's finches is that since the 1940s, uh, it's been obvious that they are kind of the textbook example of what evolutionary biologists call adaptive radiation. From one founding population of finches, thanks to the fact that the Galapagos is an archipelago and allows for geographic isolation, you had uh, what appeared originally to be 13 species of finches. But since DNA analysis has been brought into the picture big time, there are now considered to be uh, 17 species of Darwin's finches on the island. And uh, guess what, birders? If you make a trip to the Galapagos, you're not going to be able to say that magic sentence that you love to say uh, on um, uh, me- social media. Just went to the Galapagos, got all the endemics. <laughs> well, you're not going to get all the endemics because there are certain Darwin's finches that are off limits. Unfortunately, that's uh, one reason for that is they're isolated and the tours don't go to those islands. Uh, but the other reason is, in the case of the mangrove finch, uh, it's so endangered that uh, there are no landings permitted where it, where it occurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, nonetheless, you'll see finches and finches and finches. Mm-hmm. And in fact... Um, There's been another little hiccup in the finches, and that is that they're tanagers. Uh, The newest revision of the taxonomy, and mind you, it'll probably be out of date in four or five days, but the newest revision of the taxonomy now uh, considers Darwin's finches to be among the big family Thropidae, Uh, and so that puts them in uh, uh, with the honey creepers and the tanagers uh, and the seed eaters and the grass quits, and the nearest relatives to the Galapagos finches are, are undoubtedly the grass quits. And so that's all been a recent taxonomic change. And curiously enough, the other great adaptive radiation is the Hawaiian honeycreepers, which are no longer considered to be honeycreepers. They're now lumped with the finches. Got to keep up. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot. So um, it was fun to do the revision, rate because I got to read all this stuff and that I had sort of been vaguely aware of. But when you retire, you mostly spend time looking at soap operas. So, uh, But no, I, I had a good, good, good time uh, revising the book, and I like mm-hmm. the way it turned out. Yeah, I do too. You quote Charles, Gar- uh, Jar- uh, Charles Darwin in the book, saying that there would be evolutionary consequences as a result of what he called use and disuse of various anatomical parts. And I think a lot of visitors are surprised to see a bird you mentioned, the flightless cormorants with their tiny vestigial wings, and they can't fly, but they don't need to. Uh, They really don't need to fly, and uh, there are many cormorants that inhabit the uh, west coast of uh, South America, so the origin of the flightless cormorant, you know, can be traced to that, but... um, the thing about being flightless on isolated islands is it's actually a good thing. If you fly too far away, you're going to be stuck out in the ocean, and what are you going to do? They, cormorants can die for food, but if the uh, bottom of the ocean is a couple of miles away, that's not going to be very productive. So they found a kind of perfect home on the Galapagos, and I suspect the 
it's not so much the disuse of the wings, but just the lack of need for the wings has been largely responsible for why they have atrophied over the uh, uh, many uh, years that the cormorants have been there. They are a large bird, well larger than uh, the European cormorant mm-hmm. around here. Uh, if you saw one of them, it, you'd do quite a double take. And they are dependent on the cold marine waters of the Galapagos. That's the biggest threat to them right now is the changing climate and warming of the waters, which will undercut the food web. We should mention, by the way, for, for those who are not at all familiar with the Galapagos Islands, where they are in the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> about 500 miles off the coast of Ecuador. And this is a huge archipelago. It's a big it's, archipelago, widely spread, and it's a changing archipelago because it comes from a geologic hot spot in the ocean. And so the islands literally form and erode and are riding on the Nazca plate uh, among the tectonic plates of Earth that is moving uh, eastward toward uh, the coast of South America. There are already Galapagos Islands that have entirely subsided and are below sea level. Mm -hmm. The oldest islands are to the east, the youngest ones are to the west, and that's the ones that are volcanic. Well, meanwhile, John, I, I know that lots of folks listening right now must be thinking they'd dearly love to take a trip to the Galapagos Islands, especially with you leading the <laughs> tour or co-leading. Uh, that'll be a possibility again soon. Am, am I right? Are there openings? Um, yeah, the islands have been open, and uh, it's a good thing because when they were closed, there were real threats to the fisheries of the islands. Uh, there was a real sense that there was going to be encroachment into the protected areas around the islands, particularly by Chinese uh, fishing fleet. Uh, Many people said the islands should be free of tourism, let the animals be, but that's not true because Ecuador does a splendid job of protecting those islands and protecting the animals, and uh, it's one of the best managed places I've ever been to. Wildside Nature Tours. Wildside Nature group, Tours right? is owned by and operated by Kevin Lachlan, my uh, co-author. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only made over 40 trips there. <laughs> so uh, I would say he may be, other than uh, Ecuadorians who have been out there all their lives uh, <laughs> leading trips, Kevin may be the most knowledgeable person about the Galapagos from island to island, um, probably walking the planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's wildsidenaturetours.com. Be sure to check that out if you have some thoughts of going to the Galapagos Islands, which is a wonderful idea. It's wildside. NatureTours.com. Well, John, I'll suggest that your book is uh, appealing to two groups of people, those who are thinking of traveling to the Galapagos Islands, and the other group is those who are not thinking of traveling. To the I think islands. that's that's a fair statement, Ray. It can be the book can be read and enjoyed and savored um, without ever setting foot on the Galapagos Islands, and and uh, I think that's an important thing about natural history books. They shouldn't just be you know, stepping stones. And that ideally, that's great if you can get there. But if you can't, you'll and and you actually are interested enough to read it and enjoy the photographs, you'll feel like you were there in a in a manner of speaking. John Kreischer is the author with Kevin Lachlan of the spectacular new book, Galapagos, A Natural History. John, good luck with the book, and stay with us if you can. Um, That would be a pleasure to stay with you. Thank you again. Mike O'Connor will be here. Oh, boy, my buddy. (laughs) It'll be enough incentive. John Kreischer here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight, You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature. 
let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. There's the melodic sound of our mystery bird. We want to invite you to call us as soon as you, we possibly can because, uh, as always, we're a little bit behind schedule and we do run out of time. 781-837-4900 is the all-important number to call with your uh, decision about the bird or your guess. If no correct answer is received, a drawing will determine our winner. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is large and dark with a long, thin neck, a long, thin pointed bill, and a long tail. It's a graceful flyer that's often seen soaring high in the sky. However, it's most closely associated with water and has a habit of swimming with just its head and long neck protruding above the surface. It gives it one of its nicknames, which we won't reveal just just yet. <laughs> Beautiful prizes include a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, and a month's supply for big boxes of Super Seed Crackers from Mary's Gone Crackers. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor is standing by. It's Mike O'Connor, and let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautiobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit questnaturetours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed. Mike O'Connor is there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and he joins us right now to talk about fishing instead of birds today. Is that is that right, Mike? Well, kinda, kinda. Yeah. But first, I want to say hi to John. Hello, and Mike. He, 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 John needs to be on your show more often. He is one of the best speakers, and he this. Four times is not enough. I would say once a month at least. And it, it might only be three times. We don't know. So yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll we'll have to make make a point of that. You are absolutely. You, you make correct. a good agent for me, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of agents, and, and I know a lot of listeners like birds, and they might not be 
going to the Galapagos, but his book and the Peterson Guide series of bird behavior is the best book we have in the store. And the listeners, they don't have that. They should have that. It's all the stuff you talk about every week on your show, Ray. It's an excellent book, and everybody should have the copy of that Bird Behavior by John Crusher. It's an awesome book. Indeed. But back to fishing. We all remember, well, actually, most of us don't remember, probably, Gad About Gaddis. The flying fisherman. Gattis. Yeah, that's, right. how, that's John the is old, old listeners. Get <laughs> <laughs> about Gaddis was this old tiny hoaxy show that would be I would watch on Saturday mornings because I was just a kid. It would be me and about five old people around the country watching this show about a guy <laughs> flying around the country or around North America. <laughs> going fishing, and he would take this plane and he would fly up to these isolated pristine lakes that nobody had been to, land his his seaplane on the lake and, and go fishing, and he would catch fish. And I always wondered how the fish got to these isolated lakes, because they're not connected. There might be glacial lakes, or they're not connected to rivers or streams or any kind of way of the fish getting there. And I started looking into that, and there's a couple of theories on that, and they have to do with with birds. One of the first theories is that ducks will land on a, a lake that's full of fish, and when the fish lay their eggs, they lay in, the, in these masses of sticky eggs, and sometimes they collect on the bird's feathers, and then the, the duck will fly to another, perhaps, isolated lake without fish in it, and the eggs will get deposited there and hatch and add to and stop producing fish. That's a theory, and it's a little tricky to... Um, Prove, but another one that they've kind of proven recently is where some researchers have taken fertilized carp eggs and fed them to mallards and other uh, waterfowl, and and the birds read them. they love fish eggs, and they would eat them and digest them. But a small percentage of the eggs would actually pass through the bird's digestive system and come out on the other end when the birds pooped out to the eggs. They would come out fertilized, and they could actually, in lab situations, grow fish would hatch from these eggs. So this, the theory is now that sometimes and there's a lot of waterfowl out there eating a lot of fish eggs, and then they move to these isolated lakes, the terrestre, the preen, and they poop out these mass, uh, mass not a mass, but occasional fertilized eggs. And when they hatch, these, these baby fish have this whole lake to themselves to be caught at some time by Gadot, or the ghost of Gadabout Gaddis, I guess, is the institution. All right. I'm going to go on... Gadabout is not with us anymore, unfortunately. He's but. not. I'm going to go on YouTube and see if I can see any of those old shows. Or <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Talk to you guys later. All right. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Birdwatcher's General Store on Cape Cod. Uh, John Kreischer is still with us, and we are going to our Mystery Bird uh, Contest Callers, I believe now. We have um, Karen in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Good morning, Karen. Hello, Ray. Hi. I think that the bird might be a cormorant. A cormorant. Let me uh, check. I mean, I, I, I would I would hesitate, except uh, John is, uh, is is shaking his head here, so I believe a cormorant is not the answer, oh. but I can understand why you came up with that guess. But, I, I yeah. think it's a very close yes. close one. We, we call that a top quality. Uh, we, we should. Is what yes. We call that. But, uh, but, Karen, thank you, and try us again, all right? And, by the way, if nobody gets the right answer, you could still end up being the winner, so we'll see. Okay, and just as just as Mike was uh, given a little um, tug for your guest to to how wonderful he was, I want to give a little tug to Mike. Uh, last year, I went down to the Cape on my big adventure, and that store is 
worth going down. Yeah, you're the first one ever <laughs> said anything like that about his store. That's <laughs> amazing. Is, yes, that, that is the place to go. Yes. It is It is indeed. Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Karen with a cormorant guest there. Charlie is out there somewhere. I'm not sure where he is, but he's with us right now. Good morning, Charlie. Hey, Ray, officially from Cape Cod, but now I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Well, welcome. Welcome, Charlie, from Pennsylvania. What, uh, my what quality you... guest today <laughs> is a great a great cormorant. A great, oh, not just a regular uh, b- a generic cormorant, oh, but, but a great, great. cormorant. Great. That makes it even a greater top quality guest, but not exactly uh, the right to... Uh, Oh, I know what it is. Thank you, Ray. Oh, all right. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Everybody wants it to be a cormorant, and it kind of looks like a cormorant, sort of, but it isn't exactly. So let's see if we have time for uh, uh, our friend Caroline. Caroline. Hi. Oh, there she is. Hello, Caroline. Caroline, it's you probably... double-crested cormorant. Oh, the double-crested cormorant. How about tropical cormorant or maybe Galapagos cormorant? Maybe it's because we were talking about cormorants, John. Folks maybe. figured that was a subtle clue. But we're not that subtle around here, and that was not it. But thank you so much, uh, Caroline. And I just noticed that we are out of time here. The bird is the Anhinga. That's our mystery bird, the Anhinga. Um, John, thank you so much again for thank being you. with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm always happy to be here, Ray. Great to have you again. We'll do it again soon. John Kreischer here on Talking Birds. Next week, Go Birding podcast co-host Hannah Bushert will be here to tell us about an extraordinary event that she'll be part of, the upcoming International Conference for Women Birders in Kampala, Uganda. That's on next week's show. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com.